This is Psychic Warfare. Welcome back, my friends, to Psychic Warfare, the podcast where spirituality and philosophy collide with heavy metal and rock and roll. I am your host, Chris Keelick, and thank you for joining me once again on another journey into the lives and minds of the most iconic musicians in heavy music. This week, I am joined by Satonis, guitarist, vocalist, and band leader of symphonic black metal band Agatha Diamond. They are a band out of Mainz, Germany. They released their first record in nine years, The Seven, this past March. They have a long storied history with releasing excellent symphonic black metal albums and have been around for over two decades. Welcome to Psychic Warfare, Satonis, and thank you for being here today. Thanks so much for having me, of course. Looking forward to this. So my first question that I ask uh, all my guests is, how are you feeling at this moment in time, mentally, physically, and spiritually? Quite fine. I mean, uh, as I just told you in private, so to say, I uh, currently spend a few days um, at the beach or near the beach in south of France. So um, I'm, I'm relaxing with my family a bit. It's like uh, we didn't have much um, vacation during summer break. So um, we took these last days of the year, so to say, where it's still nice and, and, and sunny. And um, yeah, I could just spend some family time because yeah, it, all, all around the year, it's just too busy. And uh, we just managed to take a week off. Excellent. Awesome. I'm glad you're doing well. You know, I'm curious as this focuses on philosophy and spirituality, you know, what was your spiritual upbringing like? I mean, did you grow up in a household that held a certain faith or was spirituality and the beliefs that you cultivated something personal that you developed and discovered over time on your own? Yeah, well, I have to say there was not much spirituality when I was raised. I, I, I'm not even baptized. Usually you're either Catholic or Protestant or mm. whatever in, in our region, but um, I wasn't baptized. My, my parents said like, hey, if you're old enough, you just decide which way you want to go. And I was like, no, thanks. Um, I, I'm not so much into the Christian belief and um, all this. Yeah, things uh, around it. I, I was, I, I think everybody at is core or her core you you have sort of a spirituality maybe in there and you're not sure like how to express or feel it and um i read some occult books so to say some some spiritual things like mm. you know if, if you get into this kind of music and you're somehow fascinated by it sooner or later you stumble across names like lavey or alistair crawley right. israel regardi and and all these um, people who were in these, well, so to say, satanic kind of things. But um, I think I this is something I, I referred to in, in the past every now and then. Um, it, it wasn't so much these books by um, LaVey or um, Alistair Crawley, which made me think it was more like a children's book, uh, which is called um, The Never Ending Story by Michael ah, Ende, which is a, yeah, a, a German author who's mainly famous for his uh, children books, but he himself uh, was during his life always also looking for some spirituality. And he was also following certain paths during his life. And um, Alistair Crawley was one of them. I mean, if, if you look at the main uh, topic of this book, A Never-Ending Story, it says like the word the world, like Alistair Crawley's main credo, so to say. Yeah. And uh, the main character in this movie um, it's about finding your own will, which isn't always so easy. It's not like I do what I want right now in this moment and, and that's it. Like getting to to know and, and learning to know yourself and uh, experiencing actually what maybe makes you happy or fulfills you and uh, what might be your inner, your, your truest wish or something like that. That did help me a lot to reflect and understand myself. And in a way, this was also some spiritual kind of thing i don't believe in in higher deities like for example after you die there there will be heaven there will be hell all these right. kind of things i mean it's so ridiculous in in some ways because if you really try to think in detail how it's gonna be like, i mean you die right now if i die with let's say 60 years will i look like 60 to the people i meet there my wife already died and i'm gonna meet her again yeah exactly exactly <laughs> It's, it's also, it's all a bit strange. Or if you go to other religions like that promises uh, all kinds of, of pleasures after you die, just so you forget all your 
uh, uh, stressful life that that you're living right now, and it's a bit, yeah, I, I think. No, exactly. I mean, I'm just thinking in my head, you know, uh, someone asked me recently if I thought that all animals had a soul. And I obviously I'm an animal lover. Uh, and I, that's an interesting question to ask. But I the first thought that popped into my head was like, well, if they do, then I guess every ant and spider I ever crushed is is going to be in the afterlife with me and they're not going to be happy about it. Exactly. That's going to be uh, interesting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I. I really enjoyed your new record and I really enjoyed listening to your take and thoughts on the concept of, of sin, the, the, the quote, seven deadly sins. And I, I was thinking to myself, you know, people are so terrified of sinning yet often for the wrong reasons, which is hilarious because we've talked on this podcast before with other guests, or I've talked with other guests about how people are, are turning away from, from modern Christianity and the modern church because of so many twistings of Christ's message that's actually in the Bible for their own gain. I mean, it really comes down to us as people. People are scared to have premarital sex, but they'll throw racist epithets at people, you know, and then when they're called on their hypocrisy, they they twist, they twist the messages even further to, to bend to what they what they want it to be. And to you, is there any way that any faith and society like faith combined with who we are as people can be refined so that the teachings of faith reflect what's actually being talked about? Or do you think it'll always be twisted through interpretation because of us? And that's who we are as humans. Yeah, I think that's the tricky part about religion. I mean, these books that we refer to were written like 2000 years ago. There have been lots of translations and 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 things were taken away, things were added. And uh, as you said, I mean, things are twisted somehow. I mean, all these, these if, if I look at um, what's going on in the world right now with wars and all the fundamentalists maybe that, that have sort of a religious background even and try to justify their doings by citing their religions, like this is what God, our God wants us to do, kill all the unbelievers. Or, or, I mean, I just read today uh, some statements um, from uh, a, a politician regarding the uh, Russian uh, invasion at Ukraine uh, who were like, yeah, we, we uh, will fight these uh, Ukrainian Satanists and, and our God will. Yeah, it, it's just so ridiculous. I mean, having... It's bullshit, yeah. Yes, I, I, I think I always have a respect for people who have have a, a belief who actually believe in something and that fulfills them and that is perfectly fine with me but um if if you try to uh, just convince people that that your belief is right and and you uh, just call to arms or, or whatever and just try let's look at our past in in the medieval times like um the uh, um, uh, what was it called um, when Christianity was like trying to oh like the just, Inquisition yeah Inquisition and, and all these kind of things I mean I still wonder like we are so advanced our knowledge we know so much about the universe about how humanity came to life so to say how we developed the evolution and we still think like there's a godly being that is watching all what we're doing that is like judging us once we die and and there's good or right and i'm born in this country where this belief is right and everyone else is wrong just because i'm born here and i might have born been born like i don't know in, in an islamic country right. and then i would think like hey this is my god and and you're wrong and it's just if I think about it, I think we will always have a hard time finding peace and and just getting better as as humans. The longer we stay within this religious beliefs, and um, it's I just think it's 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 a weird thing that so many people nowadays you get all this education at school at school and so on, and then you question everything. I mean, nowadays you read news and these are facts, and you say, oh no. This is not correct. I read these alternate facts, etc. But you believe all these these inventions yeah. made by yeah. some preachers or so, and I just don't get it sometimes. Yeah. It, I'm, I read a great interview you did with with Tuonela magazine where you spoke about the contrast of the belief in God or Satan or the supernatural versus everything that that science provides us about the nature of us in the universe. And the question is, do you think there's a do you think there is a balance to be struck? between science and faith 
like you said, you do respect people that believe things. Do you, so do you think there's a balance to be struck there or that can be struck there? Or do you think it's a better choice to to view life purely through an empirical lens? And that would kind of lead to, you know, a better, more healthy society and the way we treat each other overall. It's a bit tricky, actually, because this was also one of my the questions that interested me at a certain point in life. I, I was reading many books about the universe once I just discovered as a teenager like all these planets and what's out there and I wanted to understand more there's a good a really good book about the, the it explains about the five um ages so to say of the universe like uh okay. the universe of of the stars and how the stars then actually end their life when the atoms even evaporate and so on and uh, just life ends and time etc and um, I mean there were many scientists who didn't believe in God and um, the further they tried to go back in time to this point in time where the singularity actually uh, I mean most people nowadays believe that the universe was just um, at one point it was very dense but um, it, it collapsed um, and it, it uh, what's the word, um, extended itself. Okay. There was a very small, tiny bit of, of matter, so to say, and expanded in a, in a really tiny amount of time, almost to the size of the universe at its now. Now, now there, there's this Big Bang, now Big Bang, right? The Big Bang theory is something I think most scientists nowadays believe and you can use mathematical equations and and formulas etc to explain a lot of things like how this um that's right they can measure that the universe is it's spreading out it's expanding exactly it's expanding it will not collapse again but it will probably expand further and further and we're drifting away from each other and so on in, in the universe and but if you try to rewind the time up to that point in time when the universe expanded when the big bang was you can get very close to point zero but at one point in time shortly before this point zero all these mathematical formulas that we have don't explain this really a really tiny amount of time and that's the point where many scientists they try to to get it i mean maybe one day we will understand and, right. and we will see new formulas etc but that's the point where some of them said like maybe that's where like uh, god comes from maybe there was some th kind of for now um, it's a mystery yeah it, it's a mystery exactly and uh, i think spirituality for for many of us it's, it's just like something we can't explain to ourselves there's something in us maybe we want to believe probably i mean it would be i mean you can be a realist and and think like okay if i die everything is over I'm just not there anymore. But of course, it's also a very sad feeling. <laughs> I mean, it would be much more comforting if you would think like, okay, if I die, there's something else coming. I might be seeing exactly. my, my friends, my my wife or whatever. That that would be really comforting. And I think that's one of the things why so many people still don't want to think in detail about it, but still think, oh, there's something. Exactly. I, uh, I believe in it, but I, I can't explain. So Exactly. Yeah. And I think faith in general um, at its most extreme is very interesting because it's it is such a comfort to people, like you said, and that is that is your right and like that is okay. Like as long as you're not hurting anybody and it's a comfort to you, that's perfectly all right. Like that's that is in fact a good thing if it makes you feel better and helps you become a better person. But it's also interesting because on the flip side of that, God is often a source of fear at the same time, and I think people cling to faith exactly in the yeah. dog in the dogmatic sense, not necessarily meaning in a personal spirituality or philosophy kind of way, but in like a very dogmatic, organized religious sense because of the fear, like you said, of no afterlife or of a horrible afterlife or of just nothingness or feeling alone. And, you know, that makes people afraid as, you know, that's kind of a very common thing. I mean, who wouldn't really be afraid to some extent? But you have a lyric on the new record um, and the song, Fear is the Mother of All Gods. And I love that line. You know, in your eyes, to how much of a degree does fear rule our lives um, as as humans, as people, even beyond a societal level? Because we've seen so much of, you know, fear mongering, you know, in terms of how we treat various groups in society and, and things like that. But how are we personally just intrinsically ruled by fear? I think to uh, it, it truly will depend on on each person. But I think fear is is really a constant thing that is in us or around us maybe it's not maybe only fear about yeah there will be a third world war or something like that but you fear a lot of things i mean sometimes it's just 
fear of the dark or whatever is this supernatural thing that we have in us if we go down a dark uh, uh, stairway into the cellar and then the lights goes off and uh, you perfectly know there's nothing there that could hurt me but still you might feel like you, you're frightened or so just because this is something that is coming with us we we just inherited it yeah. over generations because yeah it was just a safety measure um, if it's dark then the predators come out of the woods or something like that yep. but um, of course also nowadays you fear not only things that that endanger your uh, uh, your life but also you fear maybe losing friends losing popularity losing your job you have so many duties nowadays you have your part in this big machine in in nowadays um, culture or society where you have your job you have to take care of your kids in my case i fear uh, a lot of things that could happen to my kids i mean if they go snorkeling in in the sea then i'm afraid that that something might happen i want to have them in my eyesight so it's not like i i just go away and then all of a sudden they're drowned or, or something like that yeah. so this is always something that keeps you i mean maybe that's also a sort of a, a motivation that that keeps you going to a certain extent if you would be too over comfortable with anything, maybe, I mean, it, it, it helps you in many ways to just survive. That's it's just some mechanism for, for some extent, depending on what is this, of course. But, um, so it's about, it's, it really is about how you channel it. It's about how you channel yeah, fear and which direction exactly. it goes. For example, today, um, we've, we've been to some, uh, uh mountain. There was this, uh, gorge, um, um, on, uh, Espot Verdun, not, not Verdun. I, I initially thought, oh, the Battle of Verdun, First <laughs> World War. But Verdun, it's, it's more in the south. And there's a big gorge, like a, a valley, which is very steep. It's a bit like maybe Rocky Mountain or so. Okay. Uh, no, no, not Grand Canyon, not Rocky Mountain. Okay, there's a huge canyon, right? And um, I have a good amount of high anxiety. And my lady, she's, she's not, uh, no. So, so she goes there and just stands at the, the the edge of the cliff and just looks down and like, oh I, I can't see that right I, I need to stay away like two or That's three metal as just, hell yeah and just seeing it I'm like oh no and um, that that is something also that uh, maybe it, it has good sides or bad sides but also then my my mind says like hey, stay away you might fall off and so on it's not helping me in a way if I would be in such a situation I would need to climb down it would be really awkward but um it, it also tries to prevent me so this fear of falling down is also trying to prevent me from doing stupid things so in a way that's some evolutionary thing maybe some people have it more some less but it depends from from person to person right and i think you can also work against it and maybe get used to but i probably will, will never be a, a good mountain climber and uh, <laughs> so <laughs> that's just yeah, well, one that's okay. Thing. Different different strokes for different folks, you know. Yeah, exactly. And there's this quote by Alan Watts. I was listening to a, a a lecture by him. He said, you know, if you cling to beliefs, any sort of beliefs, especially an organized faith that's based in fear, it's like being in an egg. I mean, you can stay there, and that's your right, but you'll eventually lose your mind. And my thought is, you know, do you believe that? And I think a lot of people are they're struggling to let go of, of things that they may have held on to for a long time. And, you know, they're looking to, to stretch their boundaries or open their minds a bit, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it can be a scary and daunting process to kind of leave all that behind. And I want to ask you going through that, what do you think it's important to let go of, but also what do you think it's important to understand and to gain and to know as you exit a certain belief and you kind of enter a new world for the first time? Oh, oh, okay. That's that's hard. I I uh, had while you were explaining, I had lots of thoughts in my mind to start. I mean, to some extent, I thought going going back to the thought when when I was standing at that cliff, for of example, course. um, I was actually also thinking. I'm I'm a person that is reflecting a lot, and and I have a very strong inner monologue so to say i i speak a lot in my head with me or with other people who aren't there i just have talks with them somehow it's it's a bit strange i think i i have sort of um i i see that my my son for example he's um having some autistic mm. traits i would say is is a bit strange i think and uh 
I see myself in him. I, he helps me understand myself better why I was like this when I was young. I was really very shy. I had issues like just talking to people. In his case, it's, it's different. He doesn't have any problem talking to people. He rather has problems finding the right words. You know, you can be really, well, ignorant or rude. He mm -hmm. doesn't mean it like this, but right. he, he just doesn't think about how he can hurt people. And in right. my case, I was also living in sort of an egg where I couldn't just crack the shell and get out of it because I felt encapsulated. Sometimes I was in a situation where people were talking about me because I was so shy. And so um, I, I didn't find the right words in my head. Sometimes I did find the right words. But afterwards, you know, when it was too late already, I sometimes had such a, a great speech. I thought like when I could have held this spontaneously at that moment, it would have been so much better. But then at this point, when it was important, I couldn't say something. And so I, I, at this point in time, I think I was like 13, 14, around that time, I tried to reflect myself more and more and try to understand myself and also try to leave my comfort zone and bring me into situations where I had to fight my inner demons, so to say, where I had to battle with my, with my fears also there. And um, also maybe one of the reasons why I like playing music, because As mentioned, I, I'm a rather shy person and standing in front of a stage is, or at least was really um, not so easy for me. Mm. And uh, meanwhile, it, it's it's cool. I'm fine with it and I, I, I love it a lot. And back then, of course, I always wanted to, but standing in the center of the attention of many people, I mean, that's, of course, you can't prevent that if, if you go right. on stage right. and play. But it really helped me also to also get some positive feedback because I was so I didn't have a good self-esteem when I was young. I always thought like I'm not capable of, of doing anything. And I really was rather a depressive person. I, I still have some depressive moments, but these are not related to that. It's it's more like my, my inner being or whatever. Right. But back you've then conf I, you've confronted a lot of the, you know, the things that you exactly. were afraid of and it, that's helped you in a way. It's, you know, a baptism by fire in a way. Yeah, yeah. And I think that sometimes helps you just to, to get better. I mean, I probably will never jump down a cliff or something like that. <laughs> Please don't. Quite <laughs> my high anxiety, but um, sometimes you, you can get into that. And for example, my, my lady, she's having uh, arachnophobia. She hates spiders. And she also tries every now and then just to get close to that spider and, and just look at it and then for some yeah moments you think like oh that is actually it's a beautiful creature somehow but then yeah it, it it's tricky it's yeah. tricky but uh, yeah that's i agree that's that's me with bees you know and any if a bee comes oh. near me i am i'm out because I, i had a bad experience when i was young i'm not allergic or anything but i mean that kind of started started things but i think i've also noticed recently that i've gotten you know more and more comfortable when bees are flying around or when there's you know kind of insects like that around. I don't quite as freak out as much as I used to. So I think, you know, that's also something that might just come with time. But yeah, I think that for people who are breaking out of anything, you know, especially if they're, you know, holding on to, you know, a, a certain kind of belief that they, you know, they're starting to question, just know that letting go of that, you know, there's a certain sense of freedom. You get to be, you know, who you choose to be and, and you know, explore where you want to explore and pull from where you want to pull from and kind of build yourself from the ground up again, which is, again, it's both scary and a beautiful thing at the same time, kind of reconstructing yourself, you know? Yeah. And I think that's also a part of what life is about. I mean, it's not just a linear thing or you just do all the thing. I mean, what I really despise it, it, being an adult is so awkward in a way because, I mean, you have these routines like going to work nine to five and things like that and just repeating all the weekly cycles and so on, but doing things differently and experiencing new things. And so that's so much more valuable, but somehow, I mean, at least once you start having a family and have kids and so on, you somehow need to fit into these social things. And I really always struggled a bit to be like a normal person or whatever to call it, like just act like um, a typical adult person because I, I somehow feel like when I was 24, I think I reached my uh, a stage where I thought like, okay, that's something uh, I understand, but I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm aging, I'm getting older, 
not sure if I'm getting wiser, but um, <laughs> I still try to keep being interested in things and, right. and question things. So many people, they don't question things anymore. Eternally um, curious. Eternally yes, curious. That, that is important, I think. Just, yeah. I think not to grow all too fast. I think I think that kids, you know, there's a beautiful quote, or I think uh, from a, a Zen master who said uh, the best form of Zen meditation is just laughing, you know, without without with a without abandon or with abandon, you know, just that's kind of all everything else kind of goes away. And, and kids are like that, you know, they, they are, in a sense, living the best of Eastern philosophy, like totally living in the moment and like, you know, taking every single moment as it comes, not thinking about the past or the future, just totally engrossed in the present, which is really all we have. We have the same thing that everybody else has, which is the present moment. You know, there is no past and future, ultimately, at exactly. any given time. And I wanted to go back real quick. You know, you said the phrase, you know, do what thou wilt. It's a very famous quote that's used and it can be used in, you know, the satanic in satanic circles, you know, but in essence, it's it's just speaks to a, a greater kind of belief about how to conduct yourself in the world, you know, yeah. in a world to be viewed as scientific. My question is, where do we obtain and refine our moral com our moral compass? You know, to you, is good and evil a relative and subjective concept, and things should just play out as they unfold, kind of regardless of consequences to each other? Or do we have a responsibility to each other that goes beyond the simple preservation of our species? You know, where do we kind of obtain the sense of right and wrong? I mean, beyond what we're raised with, but out in the world, from an empirical point of view, where does kind of how we treat other people in a right and wrong way come in? Uh, oh yeah. Um, the thing is, <laughs> I I always try to say that I'm a big fan of common sense, but common sense is something that is really not uh, so common. <laughs> yeah, it's it's individually somehow. If if you're at a certain um, yeah society or in a different religion, you're raised differently. Then maybe your common sense is is totally different. But for me, um, I think everything that not not everything that, that that is too much but a lot of things like how we live with other people how you um actually live inside a relationship it's all touched by the religion and um all these moral and and beliefs i mean as you mentioned like the the seven sins that we had on our latest album as sort of an overarching concept where things that actually to a good extent, at least, aren't necessarily evil. They have this bad connotation that that where you think like, um, for example, let's say lust, for example, it's it's not a bad thing as such, but you have so much rules and uh, there's so much negative about it. I mean, if you just look at sexuality in, in the US, for example, you get to see movies where they chop their heads off but as yeah. soon as you see a nipple, it's oh god, really no, like, turn it off! Yeah, protect the it, children. Really, exactly, yeah. it's it's so weird. Why? I mean, it's so natural, and uh, we make such a fuss of it. I mean, there have been many rules how uh, we we treat each others, and most of them probably have have a, um, at their core they're they're really good. And I think Christianity took or had a, a right in itself to to be there because we had these these rules that, that made life in a tribe or in, in a bigger communities, mm -hmm. they made it easier. You should not steal from each other. You should not kill, which is a good thing, I guess. And, and all these kind of <laughs> I, I hope so. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that helped us. But of course, um, to a certain point, it became just about oppressing and, and putting people into a, a state of mind where they fear sinning. Control and power. Wrong yeah. And controlling, exactly. It was about controlling the church was trying to control and it's usually it's not like i i doubt that that many people who are in control in certain kind of things they just don't do it for the the good of mankind of course but they do it for themselves to yeah. wielding it wielding yeah. an instant wielding it wielding an institution uh to your will to control people is uh certainly a uh, nefarious tactic i would say but does it serve us aside from you know we're not going to be killing each other or anything does it serve us to be kind as much as possible or 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 does it serve us better to just be as honest with our feelings in each moment as possible i think it would be good if we could be more honest to each other 
I mean, in, in society, if you're in your job or if you're speaking with your neighbors, there's always this facade. And um, as mentioned, I, I always had this inner monologue. I, and, and when I was younger and so shy, I watched people and tried to understand how do normal people react and talk to each other because I was not really um, uh, doing well myself in that aspect. Mm. But I, I tried to interpret their mimics, their... Uh, body language and so on and um, just seeing like how people talk and there's a lot of lying uh, when when you talk to people mm -hmm. I mean just hey how are you doing and you said fine but no you're not fine not <laughs> fine it, it, my it wife just... tells me she's fine she is not fine exactly things like I mean sometimes it's just the tiny things but it's just making things so complicated sometimes I just wish I could talk openly and from the bottom of my heart how I'm feeling but I know I would put my counterpart then in a awkward situation maybe and maybe you, you don't want to talk about these things but there's so much small talk always I would like to talk about things I feel inside me maybe sometimes even about sexuality and, and all these taboos there's so many things you just should not speak about and that are private and blah 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 it's always something I, I had issues with like where to draw the line what is okay to talk about what is not okay what should i keep in private and, and things it's living is just complex and sometimes really tricky i think yeah you know and it, the, the the do it thou wilt it's it's do it thou wilt is you know it's basically as long as you're not hurting anyone and you know like you said that that can get subjective because people are raised with different beliefs about like you know well that shouldn't have hurt you or this shouldn't have you know done this or shouldn't have done that but it is interesting because it does seem if you if you zoom out a little bit, like you said, it, you could phrase it as common sense or or however. But it does seem that there are things, there are tenets that by and large do protect people and do, you know, are the right thing to do in any certain situation. It's like in chess, you know, there's a million moves to make, but there's usually only one one right move to make in chess. That's kind of how I feel about it. I think that there's there are. I, I won't I don't want to say there's definitive good and evil. I brought this up on the podcast before asking if there's a definitive good and evil. And I don't necessarily think that entirely. Um, but I think there are certain tenets that are overarchingly the right move to make that can help someone or at least, you know, the best possible choice to make in any given situation. Do you do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Another thing I wanted to, you know, talk about is in you were talking about sin and like how sin is, you know, this book that I've talked about in a couple episodes, the gospel of Mary Magdalene, there is actually a, a quote in the gospel of Mary Magdalene where she says there is no such thing as sin. And, you know, that also makes me think of, there's a, a vow that, that Buddhist monks take, you know, again, I was listening to Alan Watts. I'm a big Alan Watts fan. If you couldn't tell, <laughs> um, listening to another Alan Watts lecture where he was saying, you know, there's this one vow that they take that's often translated as you shall like, you, we won't commit adultery, but that's really not what it means. What it means is you will not abuse your passions. And I think that's such a great way to phrase the idea of these deadly quote unquote sin or quote unquote deadly sins is just don't abuse your passions. He, he frames it. And I don't necessarily agree with this particular situation but he frames it as such like maybe don't drink to get drunk and again i don't necessarily agree with that but it's 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 a good thing to drink like when when it reflects the warmth of the company of friends in your home you know it, it's all depends on the situation and there's you know the moderation in all things the middle path between fear and desire that's another eastern very eastern thought and i, I wanted to talk about those sins that you, you that you wrote about on your album you know the two most interesting sins to me that have been twisted and exploded you know to the nth degree by humans is greed and envy. And I'll start with envy. Um, they say envy is the only sin that gives no pleasure. And we live in a world where we all compare what we have to what others have. Is there a balance between using envy as fuel to propel yourself to greater heights? Or will that always be a toxic way to move forward in life? You know, how do you personally find escape from comparisons to others and really just kind of have a self-contained internal propulsion and and drive to make yourself better as opposed to comparing yourself to other people i think i do see a lot of envy at other people i i think i even was talking with my uh, lady about that some time ago that i always thought like i'm not a person that is actually feeling envy to to a large extent i uh 
I see people having fancy cars or big houses and hear other people saying, oh, it would be so awesome having that. And yeah, I agree. It would be nice. But I don't. Like, I wouldn't anything. say no if it was given to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, it, I never had the feeling that this is something that consumes me. I wanted to have it and I need to have it. And sometimes, um, yeah, I see people really that they they have this urge to to have something and they sacrifice a lot for it just maybe status symbols or see it in my neighborhood. I mean, we, we live in, in a, a region where there are a lot of people just also build their houses for the family. And then mm -hmm. they, they look at uh, um, the other side of the fence, so to say, and see, oh, the neighbor is having that. Okay, now we have to buy this as well. And all these kind of things where I see that this is just ridiculous. It's like a competition. Yeah, yeah who's uh, <laughs> just be happy with what you're having. And um, I think I, I meanwhile also have some things that are really like materialistic, but I wouldn't miss them so much if I'd lose it. I, I enjoy having uh, a nice TV screen or, or something like that, or maybe a nice uh, computer where I can perhaps play a computer game. I don't have the time anymore anyway, but maybe <laughs> one day. Tell me about but, it. Yeah, exactly. But it's it's not so important. I, I could do without. So I'm actually not a person that feels a lot of envy and um, I always feel sorry for, for people who are like this, but must be, I mean, maybe even the richer you get, the, the more you want or something like that. Yeah. Do, um, you, yeah. do you think, do you think there's a way to get out of it? Like for people that, that struggle with that, because we're, we're bombarded with it, you know, on social media, we see it, you know, the best parts of everyone's life. And you're like, Oh, my life would be so much better if it was like that. Yeah. And we're so ruled by, you know, our stuff, you know, we, we, we think that we have to be fundamentally happy. We have, you know, to have a certain amount of something or a, a particular, kind of life or anything like that how do you get out of that like you know what's the best way aside i guess from turning off social media is there kind of an internal thing you can do or or something to kind of to ground yourself you know to get out of those things yeah it's hard i mean i think it depends on your personality also a bit i mean just ask yourself why do you feel envy why do, does it make you happy if you achieve this or do that and does it really give something so positive to you or just does it consume more than you would actually get out of it? And um, I think envy to a large extent is, as you mentioned, it's it's got a lot of negative aspects in there. It probably can also be a positive aspect in some circumstances, maybe where you feel like I would like to achieve it. I work for it. And right. then you do it and see, hey, I achieved and succeeded in something where I thought I would never be able to do it, but now I made it. And that is, of course, then a good thing, but maybe the motivation, feeling envy as the motivation itself, maybe that's not such a good thing. I think it can have a positive effect, but I would say, as you mentioned, there's a lot of negativity in it. And um, yeah, so... Uh, I agree. I yeah. agree 100%. And the other sin, greed, uh, I think this is the worst sin, because I think the majority of our planetary and global societal suffering is born out of it. You know, whether it's wars for resources or land or colonization or the wealthiest people exploiting the poorest people. You know, you have a song about that on your new record, Ghosts of Greed. If I'm interpreting correctly, I, I think that's what I, that's how I interpreted that song about is the exploitation of, of the poorest by the wealthiest. You know, greed also feels like it's the hardest sin to change or overcome in the world. Um, because there's just that sense that the people who are the greediest won't ever change. It's the idea of, I own this thing. I control this thing. And we were talking about control. And there's this story that I love about uh, the Stoic philosopher Epictetus. Uh, he never locked his house. And one night, someone came in and stole uh, an expensive lamp that he owned. Uh, but you know, when he was asked if he was upset about it, he simply said, it was never mine to begin with. Meaning he viewed possessions as things that we never really own. We're just simply stewards or caretakers of. So we shouldn't really be sad if we lose them. And that's not to say that stealing is okay and you should do that. But it's a way of kind of looking at at possessions and and you know how much you need and how much is, you know, that kind of mentality. You know, how do you feel about this concept? Do you think that if we all had this kind of mindset of like we don't really own anything, you know, we're just taking care of it, that that would counter a lot of the greed that we see in our world if more people thought that way? For sure, it would be beneficial if it could be more 
reflective uh, upon ourselves. I mean, greed is like you, you have something that I'm maybe I can give an example. It's not not really greed as such, but I was always sort of a collector to a certain uh, amount. I mean, when I was starting out in the in the metal scene, and uh, that was like '88 something around there was no internet and all these kind of things or magazines or more fanzines and so on. A different time. A different time, exactly. And um, I was a tape trader. I was collecting tapes and uh, sending uh, copies of albums, but also live tapes, demo tapes, etc. around the globe. And I was more and more, and it was just about collecting it. First, I was listening to all these tapes and I enjoyed having a new live recording of... I don't know, Morbid Angel or whatever. And then when I had like 100, 200 tapes or so, it was more about just getting more, getting more. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even listening to them anymore. It was just for the sake of collecting and just getting more of it. And then at one point I thought like, what the fuck? Now I've got 1,000 yeah. tapes here. And, uh, but why actually? And then <laughs> I, I began to, to shrink down uh, this, and etc. And I, I still love somehow collecting things like maybe CDs. So you have a nice uh, uh, part uh, in your apartment where there's just tiny wall with, with CDs or, or something, but I don't overdo it anymore. It's it, it can be consuming and because I also invested a lot of time into it, copying tapes and, and making lists of my tapes and checking other tape traders. And it was interesting because you get in touch with others and uh, there were like pen pals. Of course. And, and if you're, uh, if you're passionate gone. about something, if you're yeah. ever passionate about something, it doesn't mean it's bad to, to, you know, indulge in that and to, and to collect things. But I, I definitely, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm just thinking out loud. Like I, I want to make sure that people know, like if you, ha if you're passionate about something, like absolutely chase that as long as you're not, again, not hurting anybody, exactly. but if you're, yeah, yeah. if you're collecting or if you're, you know, passionate about collecting video games or trading cards or concert memorabilia, anything like absolutely. If you, if that makes you happy, but uh, I definitely yeah, understand I, where you're coming from. Where exactly. at a certain point, you know, yeah, you, it's, you, it's not. There are other things that bring you fulfillment in your life. Exactly. I mean, uh, that was just in my case. At one point, I just realized it's not where I started. Actually, I wanted to listen to new stuff, to new music. Then. All of a sudden, I got so many tapes all the time. I was just going to the post office, coming from the post office, just building these these stacks of, of cassettes. And uh, it was just more like... Right. It may not be a good I, idea I lost... to have something for the sake of having it. It's, exactly. And that's where it somehow came into this unhealthy habit where it felt a bit like like greed. I just wanted to have more and see like how like in a role-playing game, you just want to increase your character stats. You, you don't even care about the gameplay anymore, mm, but yeah. um, in, in a way, it felt it felt not good. And uh, it's maybe not the same, like being being greedy where you just sit on your uh, uh, treasure maybe and, and try to hoard more. Yeah. I, I wonder if I wonder if, if billionaires out there think that way, if they think, am I just obtaining money for the sake of having it now? I mean, it's not probably under the guise of running a company, but ultimately it feels to me like they're just, they just have it. They acqu keep acquiring it for the sake, for its own sake. You know, you don't need $6 billion to live com comfortably, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, pff, I'm not sure how the mindset actually is there. Like if I would be Elon Musk and, and I have like, I don't know, billions, I, I think now, now having not that huge amount of money, I would say, Hey, I would donate so much money and do good things. And why is he not just spending lots of his money to to make the world a better place? I mean, he's doing a lot of things, and it's his yeah, money. You know, it's the it's, 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 it's the yeah. meme. Congratulations, you've won capitalism. <laughs> so it's somehow I just maybe I would be the same. Maybe I would be more greedy and think like, hey, it's all mine. I want more. Now I can afford an island. Maybe next time I want to buy a country, or I don't know. It's just. It's it's strange. It's nothing I do fully understand, but um, yeah. it's yeah. not always a good thing, I guess. Yeah, you know, and ultimately you can't take it with you. You're not going to be buried with your money. I mean, I hope not yeah. anyway. And that leads to yeah. my next question. You know, death is obviously this is the most obvious thing ever. Guys, don't don't crucify me. Death is obviously a common theme in a lot of metal, and there's fucking death metal, obviously, guys. <laughs> but how do you how do you embrace death as a friend? You know, how do we come to face our mortality with grace when we're still young, you know, even as we age, like have, not necessarily being worried about it, but 
remembering that mortality is ever present with us. You know, is mortality and death something you think about a lot? And does it impact the choices you make in your life? You know, whether that's being more carefree or more careful. And, you know, I the last thing before I close the question is you have the lyrics on the song Time is the Fire, which I love, which is time is the water in which we drown, time is the fire in which we burn. And that seems like a rallying cry to me to seize the day and moreover, like seize the moment. Exactly. I mean, I I, I briefly mentioned it. I also had my uh, depressive phases, so to say, where I had like probably every teenager maybe has suicidal thoughts or something. Mm. But since then, I, I thought a lot about death and what might be afterwards or how I would experience it, etc. And uh, I think you will always be to a certain amount afraid of dying even if you think there's an afterlife and there might be paradise or whatever you still can't be sure <laughs> i think you probably nobody knows no no it's uh, it now comes the best part so to say but i think i i do question now comes the best part to... i love that i love yeah. that <laughs> it's amazing i'm taking that i'm stealing that okay that's fine and uh, yeah i just thought like at some points in my life like if I look back, I uh, am I happy with what I achieved so far? I would love to do th some things differently, but I mean, they brought me here where I am right now. I have two wonderful kids, and I think that is more than I could ask for. And um, I uh, think if I die now, I, I would still be happy. I mean, there might be more years to come, and I hope to see my kids grow. But having just this level of feeling comfortable with yourself and, and what you've done. I mean, I've done a lot of stupid things when I was younger or maybe, I don't know, also when I was older, of course, but still, I think it was a, a good life and I wouldn't regret. And um, just think if, if you're at peace with yourself, then I think this is not such a big thing somehow and really isn't that the most isn't that the most metal thing of all we don't need to be angry or depressed all the time i mean again if you are actually depressed obviously i want you to obviously find help and you know there are there are treatments and and things out there but i mean in the sense of as a choice not that depression is a choice but i mean there's that sense in in metal and rock where it's like it's cool to be you know to only write about pain or to not find any sort of comfort in your life or you know anything like that but i think it's the most fucking metal thing to reach a point where you're at where you're like you know what i'm happy i'm comfortable and that's amazing you know exactly i mean i think everybody of us that that listens to extreme music i would say we're all not so standard people maybe yeah. every one of us has his bad uh, experiences maybe or some hard times in life that that we've gone through and so we actually can understand and feel the music i mean as you mentioned there's a lot of uh, evil lyrics or uh, oh, whatever yeah. i mean uh, but still there's something special to this music the the passion what brought me to to black metal was this uh yeah it, it felt really passionate it was there was some sort of uh, re rebellic atmosphere yeah. there it was different and was just against everything maybe and i felt at that time and i still feel the music i still enjoy the music and of course i say most of the lyrics uh written in many black metal songs they're just ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> it's stupid Oops. but still, i mean if i just but listen, it's fun the, the, you know it's fun yeah. it's, it's supposed to be ultimately i think exactly and yeah the, the first album of emperor in the nightside eclipse the lyrics that morty is wrote there, uh, I am the black wizards and, and things like that. I mean, it, it's somehow nonsense, but still the, the emotions it evokes. Yeah. And uh, that was really, when I was a teenager, that was awesome. It just made me feel better. And so um, it was, this music was kind of a therapy also for me and just trying to create our own style there. There was a big motivation. And uh, so I think if you compare it with this nowadays um, pop music or whatever, it's just not the same. It's just right. so much more, I think. And that I would agree with. You know, I'm the same as you where I, I started listening to to rock and metal because I, I was very self-conscious. I, I don't know if I was, you know, to a level. I was still very gregarious where I talked to a lot of people, but I was still very self-conscious in private. And I think that you know, discovering rock and metal music, it, it's to me, it was about 
power, but not in like a control sense, like an inner power, like finding your own kind of inner power. And the music, more so than any other genres, broadcasts a sense of power continuously, like when you need it. You know, for me, it's a it's an endless kind of well I can tap into when I need, you know, a sense of self-esteem, a sense of power, uh, again, inner power and feeling good. And like, you know what? I got this. I got things under control and, you know, I'm in charge of myself. And to me, that's what always would it provide. And we're always going to have doubts and we're always going to have, we're always going to be, you know, be self-conscious about anything. You know, it, that's just how life is. But I a hundred percent agree with you. I think that there's a power to be found in in metal music and rock music that most other genres just don't don't seem to broadcast and that's why we love it and that's why we love it and it's fun yeah. you know it's it's also a lot of fun and life is about life should be about fun or else what are you living for you know <laughs> you know we've talked about a lot and i wanted to ask you who are the sages and philosophers in particular if you have any particular names that have inspired you the most in your life and kind of creating your your own beliefs and worldviews and this this doesn't have to be necessarily philosophers or or you figure or figures like the buddha or jesus in the traditional sense it can be scientists that you admire things like that i'm just curious yeah as as mentioned earlier i think not necessarily the books directly written by alistair crawley but what i actually try to do for my own research interpreting it um that did help me to find my way a lot like Michael Ende, as I mentioned, never-ending story. Mm -hmm. That was the part in his life where he also tried to reflect these, let's say, satanic views, like finding your way. Um, that did help me there uh, a lot. But from a philosophical, philosophical, um, nom, 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 let me philosophical, think. you got it. Yeah, um, just thinking. I mean, when we when we went into this um, founding the band, I was reading a lot of books i mean the name i got to diamond that also had some uh backgrounds where um actually there are different meanings to the name i got to diamond but um the one i usually try to refer to was this uh, so-called riddle of the Agato Daimon, which is or was held in an ancient Greek language, where nowadays you couldn't really properly translate it, and there was mm. some uh, some philosophers like Leibniz, Mohoff, and others who tried to uh, uh, translate. And so I also got into these aspects there, but I I think I couldn't actually name that's okay such, i was more like in, into poetry i think poetry did help me a lot also to mm. just find my own way of feeling i was not really finding a way and uh and and just any particular poet that really spoke to you um i mean thanks to our former uh romanian vocalist uh flat Hakul, i came into touch with um, these romanian vocal uh vocalists into these <laughs> romanian Poets like um, Eminescu, which is like the, the national poet in, in Romania. Mm. Um, Eminescu did a lot of great poems. And there was also Minulescu and uh, Bakovia and, and others that are really awesome. Or um, Algonan Charles Swinburne. That's there amazing. Was... I've never heard of any of these figures. So I'm definitely going to go oh. look them up. Yeah, yeah. Look them up. I mean, they, they I think those Romanian poets, they really... Um, they had a like it, it, when, when I read their stuff, there's some. Um, there was one guy that uh, died quite young who did really awesome translations of the Romanian uh, poems into English. Um, Radu, I think first name was Radu. Uh, mm. Well, I, I need to look that up, but um, <laughs> there, there are some really well, well done translations of the Romanian. Um, poems and they're really depressive somehow. I like this melancholic style of of these these poets. Like it, it's reading like a, a, a my dying bride lyric, where you feel like oh the whole yeah. weight of the world is on my shoulders. <laughs> it's it can be beautiful. Like the light at the end of the world. That song from my dying bride is so awesome. I think yeah. they're, they're doing really great great lyrics there. And um, future yeah. also, future future hopeful guests. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that would be awesome having but them. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I really appreciate your you telling me about all these poets. I'm definitely going to look them up. And Satonus, with that being said, that brings us to our, our final two segments of the show, which I like to call Tomes of Wisdom and the Chaser. So first up, 
is Tomes of Wisdom, where each guest recommends us three pieces of media that have inspired them philosophically or spiritually in the last year. And this can be books, films, games, comics, anything that has made you think about your own life or life in the world in a different way. And we've talked about Never Ending Story. We just talked about some poetry. But you you talked about some, you know, you, you brought up some games, you know, you mentioned that you you like to play or you used to like to play. And I'm curious, you know, we can branch off of the stuff that we've already mentioned, but I'm curious, what are some, what are three pieces of media that you've consumed that you would recommend for us to digest? One that pops up right away in my mind is actually Elden Ring, the game. Hell yeah. Uh, because I honestly, I, I, I love playing computer games. It's just that most of them, they have such a huge playing time, the ones, because I, I usually like role playing games and uh, they consume like 100 hours and more. And I don't have that time nowadays, but God, yeah, tell every me now that. and then <laughs> I, I just take the time and, for Elden Ring, I thought like, okay, that sounds so interesting. I'll do it. And it really was a really good experience somehow. It really felt awesome. I'm, I'm now at the, the final boss and I just stopped playing there because I didn't want to end uh, uh, the game. And I think I, I will never probably end it because now that I have uh, some... The story never uh, ends think, now, you know? Yeah, because I, I think I will try to uh, continue where I left off. I will just not remember like all the ways how to skill my character and, and how to do the moves and stuff. So it's it was a bad move just not to continue and <laughs> end the game. But um, yeah, also The Witcher 3 tells a great story. If it's for storytelling, that is also a, a really awesome game that uh, made me think also because all these sub-quests, the, the Red Baron, and there were such great little stories in there that I enjoyed a lot. Yeah. I'm also enjoying a lot of movies. Um, uh, I was just thinking like, what was a movie? If you bring, that... up, if you bring up Christopher Nolan, I swear to God, because it seems to be, it's the running thing. We've had two mentions uh, of, of Interstellar and, and Inception on this podcast already. Really? Okay. Because I also loved Inception a lot. <laughs> That's interesting. Interstellar also, uh, of course, I needed to watch it because I, I um still very interested in um that's totally you that's totally you man it's all about you know the progress of science and how it impacts our 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 inner life exactly and also love the i mean with christopher nolan the thing is also i like the cast he's usually having and also um having uh who's doing the soundtrack Um, oh han zimmer Hans zimmer Zimmer, exactly uh his stuff and aka the the man the man he's he's awesome yeah but i would also like to recommend all these old uh, spaghetti westerns made by sergio leone with music of ennio morricone <laughs> another <laughs> they, man awesome yeah and uh, i i think nowadays you need to take the time and, and and have just the patience for the way the films were cut back then i mean there were these especially the beginning where uh, um it's just usually a long scene where not much is happening and nowadays where you have like 20 cuts uh, uh, or exactly whatever in a short amount of time. It's just not your habit of viewing is totally different uh, nowadays, but it's, it's great seeing these old films also. And uh, I would recommend also giving them a chance. <laughs> awesome. Check out Sergio Leone guys for real like that. And, and both of those games are, are excellent choices. And finally, this is the segment that I like to call the chaser. So in the chaser, we ask the same 10 rapid fire questions for each guest. And we ask that they keep their answer to 30 seconds or less. Are you ready, Satonis? Yes. Do you believe in fate or free will and why? Uh, I believe in free will just to a certain extent because you're um, just the way you were raised. And uh, it will also collide with your personality. But I think it's just um, something where your your character will come into the game and where it decides whether you have your own choice, your free will, or you collide against what you've been taught and what society wants you to do. I mean, I, I would need more time, but that's the short answer, yeah. <laughs> what is a stronger force in the world, love or hate, and why? I think hate will always be stronger. I mean, we, we see it nowadays. Um, love is something that is really hard to give, and you usually only feel it for uh, some selected people around you while you can hate half of the world maybe and it's uh, really like the dark and and the the light sides where you look at star wars i mean it's it's a good example but um it's just much easier to hate people and that's the thing so this will take a personal bend here since we talked about uh people outside of 
your personal life, I suppose, but who are the three most important spiritual and moral guides in your life and why? I guess not counting who you've already mentioned. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I need to cite my parents, of course, because that is the thing for most people, I think, that, that gives you sort of guidance and will also um, put you into perspective. And then I also need to actually, I mean, that, that's a boring choice somehow, but my grandmother, she not raised at all. me to a good extent. And um, I think her kindness and the way she cared really helped me when I was younger. It's beautiful. That's really beautiful. What was the most spiritual place for you where you grew up and why? And that's not maybe not spiritual in the traditional sense, but a place where maybe you felt a sense of awe or just a, a certain sensibility about the place. <laughs> um, the thing that comes to my mind is actually a place that is located like 400 meters away from where I was raised as a kid. And it was just a small field where there was a tiny lake and where we used to play around it was not there for a long time it just um, tried out i think but uh, during sunsets when we played there it has had sort of a spiritual feel and it was just more than than a place it felt a bit magical i think that's beautiful a beauty of impermanence no as it's no longer there uh, what is the most delicious meal you've had in the last month and where was it? Uh, honestly, I, I think I you are like... in France, keep in mind. So, <laughs> yeah, right. But the, the food wasn't so good so far. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're actually uh, just doing stuff for ourselves right now. I, I made pizza for everyone. And I think I actually do make quite good pizza. Honestly, I, uh, I believe you. I want right... some. <laughs> okay, I, I can try. <laughs> I mean, I, I try to just get better at that like just experiment a bit with uh, the ingredients and so on just to 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 make it good and i think yeah that was uh if i just look back at this month that that was uh, the best meal i think homemade pizza love it uh when yeah. was the last time you felt lost sometimes uh, i felt lost maybe not lost but sometimes i i feel depressed because i think there's so much pressure from outside that you have to function as a human being there's so much expectations around you that you function in work situation as a family member as a parent and so on and sometimes it's just so much that it can just feel like it's, it's crushing you to a certain extent maybe next day it's better it's not there anymore but um i think that that's uh there was a situation like that um a while ago do you think the universe bends towards order or towards chaos and why? Towards chaos. I mean, for all I know, um, everything will come to an end and everything will uh, just lose momentum and, and vaporize, so to say. So uh, in a way, in the end, there will be no movement, there will be no energy and uh, everything will come to an halt. So um, you could debate whether that's chaos, but... To my extent, it's it's not really um, uh, a state that you would wish for. So the end is a bit depressing as we look upon. What is the most important piece of your childhood that you've held on to and why? And this doesn't have to be physical. This can be like an emotional trait or anything like that. <laughs> if we take it to my teen years, I think that was the, the breakthrough where I actually um, made the part where I stepped from being a depressive person to someone who sees there's also something that can bring you further like um as mentioned i i realized at one point in time that i um, need to do something and and just get over my current self and and try to take a step beyond put myself into uncomfortable situation just to grow and i think that was around when i was 14 15 if we can take it like that then um of i course. think that was the time yeah it was a gift you gave to, gift you gave yourself. Uh, what is one axiom or quote that centers you and calms you in dark times? Not sure I have something like that. I mean, if I'm really depressed, I think of my kids. Um, I do really think they they brought always something to reflect because I see, I think with, with Kilian, my son, for example, I see some of my negative elements there, but also the good elements. And especially my... Uh, little daughter Amelia she's have, she's having so much positive energy so much positivity in, in in general and she looks at life with big eyes and 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 just experiences so 
many new things every day and she's always so happy and that is something which reflects upon me and uh, really helps me just not getting into dark mood and um yeah that is something beautiful for me amazing amazing and to everyone who has ever been touched by your words and music what do you say i feel so much uh, gratitude than actually that um i mean when when i'm talking with people who like our music and who then maybe say, say to me uh, that music that album that song it it really helped getting me through uh, dark times etc or it just feels impressive or I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, that's exactly what I wanted to achieve when I was listening to music. Um, the first bands I experienced and I thought like, that is so awesome. That the first concert I've seen as a visitor and I thought like, I want to do this one day. I want to do this myself. And maybe there's someone who enjoys the same that I do right now. And um, if, if people tell me something like that, that is yeah, beautiful. That is awesome. Satonis, you've just engaged in psychic warfare. Thank you so much for joining me today. It really means the world. Thanks so much for having me once again. Hey, everybody. It's Chris here again. I just wanted to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for listening to Psychic Warfare. It truly means the world, and it would really mean a lot to me if you could subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're currently listening on, uh, and especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you could rate the podcast five stars and, and leave a comment about what you thought about it. It really helps boost visibility and get more eyes on the podcast. Um, that would be really, really great. Thank you guys so much for listening again, and I can't wait to hear what you guys thought of the episode. And I'll see you in the next one.